Welcome to this week's edition of Everything Fast Pitch by Fast Pitch Prep. Coach Don and I are back together in the Cherokee Batting Range podcast studio this week after our uh, slightly different uh, schedule last week and looking forward to a really good show this week for uh, episode number 218. We've got a really good lineup for you. In our warm-up segment, of course, we're going to talk about our City of the Week, Player of the Week, Equipment Tip, Have a Fun Did You Know, Another Great Listener Question, and of course, Paige's Power Play. In our lead-off topic, we're going to kind of do a college season wrap-up discussion as we head into the Women's College World Series. We're sitting here on Sunday afternoon getting ready to record, and seven of the eight teams are selected, and there's some stuff that kind of goes along with that that I wanted to talk about and just some other uh, college softball stuff for Coach Don and I to jump into. In the cleanup topic today, we're going to get a little um, off track and uh, talk a little bit about uh, just some of the craziness that's going on in the world these days and some things that the softball world is doing to honor and pay respect to people that have been affected. And then our coaching tip of the week, uh, we're going to talk about uh, the no cookie cutter approach to coaching and making sure that we all understand that uh, different players deserve and require different kinds of coaching and different kinds of techniques. So before we get into the lineup today, let's talk about our sponsors. First, the Anderson Bat Company. Everything Fast Pitch is very proud to have Anderson Bat Company as our presenting sponsor. Anderson Bat Company is using the latest and greatest bat technology to corner the market in the fast pitch world. They have the minus 9 rocket tech, the minus 10 carbon, and the minus 11 carbon light. Anderson Bat Company is using this technology to put a high-performing bat in the hands of hitters that really know the difference between a good bat and a great bat. We're also working with Anderson to provide a discount for all of our listeners. Go to the Anderson Bat Company website and order your bats. Use the EFP20 discount, which is for everything fast pitch, and you'll get a 20% discount. It's a great way for you to save a little bit of money on a great bat and also help support everything fast pitch at the same time. Coach Don and I certainly do appreciate the folks at Anderson. They're doing a great job for us, and we would love all of our listeners to support them. Uh, They are producing an amazing bat that performs at the highest levels uh, that uh, just really uh, needs to be on every player's wish list. So, And also, let's make sure we talk about patreon.com slash everythingfastpitch. If you're in a position where you can help us, we would love for you to become a patron. The patrons are the people that are keeping the wheels turning, that keep uh, everything fast pitch and coach prep moving. Um, we certainly are excited whenever we look at the uh, patrons that we have, but we would love to add some more patrons to the list. So if you're in a position where you can support us, if you see value in what we're doing, we would love for you to go to patreon.com slash everythingfastpitch. Uh, go through the steps. There's three different levels of monthly support. And Coach Don and I certainly do appreciate everybody who uh, helps us out uh, because uh, we love doing the, the podcast. Without those patrons, uh, there's no way that we would be able to continue to do so. So please become a patron if you can. So Don, in our warm-up segment this week, let's talk about our city of the week, Denver, Colorado. Denver, Colorado. That's fantastic. I know they've got tons of softball, tons of tournament. Again, a really strong area for ball. Yeah, well, there's a stretch there in a couple of weeks around the 4th of July every year, the end of June into the first part of July, where there's got to be several thousand softball teams all in the greater Denver area. When I say the greater Denver area, when I've been to tournaments up there, uh, they're playing almost in Wyoming. They go so far north now, and uh, and I think uh, you know pretty far south now, now too, because there's just so many different tournaments uh, that have grown and grown. Um, it is a recruiting hotbed for sure. You know the 
The Denver Week is a must-attend for the vast majority of college coaches. And obviously, it's an area where there's a lot of people that really love the game of fast-pitch softball. Now, I think some of the uh, local teams uh, certainly are very, very successful. We see that all the time when we go out there. Um, but I think that the, the biggest claim to fame for the greater Denver area is just that it's uh, got to be the center of the softball world for that uh, period of the year um, where they're just rocking and rolling. Um, they're just uh, killing it on the softball side, and, and we're certainly happy to have the people in Denver supporting everything Fast Pitch. Uh, the podcast is, is growing, and it's always fun for us when we see the numbers jump in an area. Uh, obviously, the numbers have gone up uh, considerably here in Denver, like we always do. Got to keep it going. Yeah, and like we always do, we would love for you to get somebody you know who's a Fast Pitch person who's not listening, who's not uh, given us a try yet, to, to jump on board, get them to listen to an episode or two, and I'm confident that if they do that, that they'll keep coming back for more. Yeah, send a message to the, the team or the group, right? Absolutely. Yeah, we go yeah. about doing that here. We would love to do that. So then, Don, our player of the week this week is Rita Nuss. Uh, Rita's player from Bloomsburg Area High School. She's been uh, very highly decorated during her high school career and her travel ball career. She's done a lot of really good things on the field. The uh, senior team captain and uh, this uh, spring season hit 565 and had her 100th career hit, um, which when you think about the typical strong, high school yeah. season and, and high school career, that's an awful lot of at-bats and an awful lot of hits. She did that 100 hits in only three seasons uh, because uh, just like a lot of other players that we talk about uh, had, um, COVID, had, had a COVID, COVID year that, uh, yeah. that messed everything up. So 100 hits in three years in a high school season, that's a pretty strong career. Uh, Rita's obviously a, a, a strong softball player, but she's also a great student, great leader, and a team captain, all that kind of good stuff. And so. Yeah, I want to recognize her and thank those that uh, nominated her. Absolutely. So congratulations, Rita. You are the Fast Pitch Prep Player of the Week. If any of you have a player that you'd like to nominate, uh, since my last rant where I uh, basically jumped all over you and, and said we needed nominations, the nominations have been coming in pretty consistently now. We want to keep that uh, yep. uh, momentum going. Um, obviously, there's just no easier way to sum it up. The other day, somebody sent me a picture of one of the players that had just received her Fast Pitch Prep Player of the Week t-shirt. And the look on her face, the pride that was just beaming through that picture was so powerful, so strong. It's, it's exactly why we do it. It's exactly why we think the Player of the Week is so, such an important thing. And for the, that player and her family and the people around her, um, obviously it means a lot to have some sort of recognition for what they've done. And especially because, you know, some of the players like Rita are doing an amazing things out on, on the field and are probably getting some recognition for that also. But especially that player who has, you know, done something in the community, done something in the classroom, maybe isn't the player who's always seeing their name in the headlines because she's getting the big hit all the time, but is still really contributing to the success of the team. It just means a lot to everybody involved. And obviously, you know, we love to see the, those uh, expressions. We also see it when we do the Facebook posts because then, uh, um, we'll see tons and tons of people who obviously are friends and family and teammates and people who know the player who's being recognized jumping on board with the likes and the shares. And so it's just a really cool thing. So nominations go to fastpitchprep at gmail.com or everythingfastpitch at gmail.com. Please make sure you send out those uh, nominations. Uh, just a couple of particulars, why you think the player should be nominated, the things that she's done that you think are worthy. And uh, Coach Don and I will arm wrestle over it. and We'll make a selection each week. So, Don, our equipment tip of the week, Square Cuts Training Disc. No, Tori, um, you know, we've had a bunch more discs that have gone out to, uh, you know, our local people here. They come in when they see it. They're excited about it. And, um, again, it's a product that's going to be easy to use, uh, 
kind of self-explanatory, really, once once you get to using them. Um, but people do have all kinds of other little ways that they've experimented and been able to use them as well. Yeah, it's a, a really cool tool. I'm very excited that you and I uh, um, were able to develop it. I'm excited to see them going out to our listeners and, and uh, other customers, people that are taking advantage of the Square Cuts training disc. Uh, it's a great tool for hitting. Um, it does a lot of really good things. If you go to our fastpitchprep.com website, there's a couple of videos there that kind of give you a quick little introduction into how to use them. But it's a tool that gives you instant feedback. It's something that every time somebody hits it, they're going to learn something about the way they hit it. And that's not just not true when we're hitting a softball or a wiffle ball or anything else. No, I think they're exciting to, to use. Everybody needs to try them. Once you try them, I'm sure you'll be, uh, you'll be sold and hooked on it. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a cool tool. So did you know, Don, we're on the verge of the Women's College World Series. By right. the time this uh, podcast drops, uh, we will know who the eight teams are. Uh, right now, as we're discussing it, we know seven of the eight. We're still waiting for the uh, Arizona State and Northwestern Super Regional to be com- concluded. So we don't know for sure who all eight are. But one of the crazy things, and this is one of those chances for me to eat a little crow, um, a couple of weeks ago, I was talking about how it was kind of unfortunate that some schools seem to have so much of an advantage in the selection process and some of the big brand schools. Um, you know, I had to admit that you know, I, I was an Arizona fan the entire time that Coach Candrea was coaching there. He's really sure. one of my coaching idols. And that this year, I just wasn't quite sure that their regular season performance warranted them being selected. Well, guess who's going to the Women's College World Series? Now, here we go again, right? Yeah, it's like the more things change, the more they stay the same. And we're going to get into this here in our uh, leadoff topic, too. But I just uh, uh, thought that uh, it was uh, so shocking to me you know, to see so many quote-unquote upsets and teams that um, you don't necessarily expect to see in the mix um, fighting it out for a spot in the Women's College World Series. But to me, I think it's a super exciting thing. Um, one of the things that I think is unfortunate when we look at the softball tournament is that a lot of times people, I guess they forget what it is about March madness that makes the basketball tournament so much fun. And in March madness, we've always got the, uh, the occasional truly Cinderella story. You know, a few years ago, Loyola of Marymount made it to the final four. Um, you know, we've had other schools that, you know, just don't typically have that kind of success. And in the, uh, uh, basketball tournament, everybody gets excited when a less likely team advances or if a, a the team, underdog. an underdog team makes yep. progress. Here in softball, it almost seems like the opposite. It seems like people are really disappointed that we're getting down to the College World Series and some of the teams that we spent all year thinking were so good aren't going to be there. Or maybe we're just not as familiar with them, right? Well, we're, we're, I think we're familiar enough with uh, the, the teams like we that don't are don't know their name. We don't know the kids' names right. as it's, well. Uh, well, and, and I think it's just one of those things. We just assumed that yeah. like Florida State was going to be you know, a real contender for a national championship, and when they get knocked off, there is a certain level of disappointment in that. When you've been following a team. Right. Yeah. But to, to my thought is that I think it's fun to have some schools that we didn't expect to get there get there. I know? think it's, and, it's encouraging for all the kids at, at every institution, right? right? And, and even a school like Oregon State that's going to the Women's College World Series, Arizona is going, you know, obviously Arizona's gone so many times you can't even count all the times they've been in the Women's College World Series. But certainly nobody expected it to happen this year with the you know, ch- coaching change and all that kind of stuff. And so the Did You Know This Week is the Women's College World Series is going to be uh, all over ESPN, all over the airwaves. I even heard the, a rumor that a game or two might make it onto ABC, if that's true. Super. Um, you support the games when they're on TV. You know, make sure that you're watching them. Make sure that you're recording Record them. Set the DVR. Yep. And as we always say, it's a great way for you to spend some time with a team, spend some time with your kids, 
uh, watching some games to make sure that everybody's learning as much as they can. But so did you know the Women's College World Series is here? So our listener question, Don, comes to us from Kelly. And Kelly's question is pretty simple. We've talked about this basic topic a few dozen times now, but it's just hit me as something that was worth talking about again. So Kelly's daughter is a great soccer player and a great softball player. She's in the Olympic Development Program for soccer. Cool. And she's also on a really high-level, super high-level travel team. I'm not going to mention the name because her point is, or her question is, that the travel team now is putting tons and tons of pressure on her to focus her attention more on softball. And then, and this is obviously an extreme situation in, in, uh, on one end of the spectrum because if she's in the Olympic Development Program for soccer... and That's she's obviously a, a big deal. And the yeah. specific travel team that she's on is one that's one of, you know, widely thought of as you know, one of the very best 18 and under teams in, in the country every single year. Right. She must be one heck of an athlete. And unfortunately, you know, having the uh, travel team now putting pressure on her, and, and basically it's, it's thinly veiled, like if she can't focus on softball specifically, she won't play as much, she's not going to get recruited, we're not going to waste time um, with uh, uh, a player in, in showcases and stuff like that that um, might end up playing soccer instead in college because she's so good at both that, you know, she isn't even 100% sure you know, which sport she's better at, yada, yada, yada. So, Don, the floor is yours. Tori, that kind of bums me out because I'm, like, thrilled that someone has excelled in two sports to that degree. And um, to to hear that they're not really being supportive of, you know, the opposite venture is kind of sad to me. Yeah. Um, I'd like to think that uh, they'd be happy for her whichever route she went and and be excited to help her continue to excel at both and make concessions that, um, are going to allow her to give her the time to find out which one is truly going to be her her direction. And uh, it just kind of breaks my heart a little bit that she's getting that kind of pressure. And my initial thought is, you know what? If she's that good a ball player, there's probably a lot of teams that would be excited to uh, help her showcase her softball skills right. other right. places if they're going to go that direction. And, you know, I think that they would, they would probably uh, – again, be very accommodating in whatever way is needed for yeah. her to continue to, to do both. Yeah, well, Don, in your very nice uh, way of always <laughs> uh, framing things as, as <laughs> acceptably and nicely as possible, uh, I'm going to give uh, our listeners the uh, Coach Tory version of what Don just said. Kelly, you can tell your daughter to tell the people from this travel ball team if they don't appreciate her abilities, they don't appreciate what an amazing athlete she is, that there's a hundred other teams, especially where she lives, yeah, that would love to have her, and if um, you know that travel coach, that travel team cannot appreciate how shockingly amazing your daughter must be to be this good at two really, really challenging sports, it's just frustrating to me. And you know, to use the leverage of well, you know, we're not going to waste time in showcases with a player we're not even sure is going to play college softball. The one thing I will say, because Kelly doesn't say uh, the exact age of her daughter. Uh, but for the team that she's on, she's got to be a, probably a rising sophomore, rising junior in high school. So, you know, it's getting close to time for her to start to zero in on if she wants to play one or the other, what her probably, you know, focus is going to be. But if she's this good at both, I can see her trying to keep the options for both open as long as possible. Totally. I mean, because there, there's no way of knowing exactly what, you know, what kind of offers are, are going to come. Now, I'm sure that she's going to be heavily recruited or is already probably being heavily recruited in both. 
if this team is putting that kind of pressure on you, they don't have your kid's best interest at heart. They don't care about your kid as much as they should. You know, they're thinking about what's good for me, what's good for my team, what's good for us winning more games, because that's what they're pressuring you to do is to do what's better for them instead of what's better for your kid. At this so, point, right? Right. Yeah. So thank them for their time. Thank them for their services. You know, pick up the phone and find your daughter a new team because I'm going to tell you right now, there's a dozen that are in the same neighborhood on the softball field as the team that she's on right now. And she's going to have a whole lot of people that would be really happy to have her and much more likely to support her. And the other thing, and this is one of those things that I've you know, said this on this podcast before, if I had the magic wand and could pick for all young athletes, you know, when they're like four, five, six years old, when they start thinking about what sports they want to play, to me, the golden combination, the absolute perfect combo for a young athlete would be soccer and softball. Because soccer forces you to use your body in such different ways. Typically, it's you know, going to help you with your conditioning. It's going to help you stay in better shape. You know, all the things you have to do playing soccer when you're using your feet correlate so well to being a great defensive player. And I've said this a bunch of times. I've had five kids that I think of are really, really, you know, if not Naturals. great, not, if not great, close to great softball players that, that I've coached. And Four of the five played soccer when they were little, and the other one was a gymnast. Right. And, you know, so now when they got to be a little bit older, eventually, you know, for those kids, they weren't like Kelly's daughter. They weren't Olympic, you know, professional World Cup type soccer players, too, but because they played both when they were young. And so it doesn't shock me that Kelly's daughter is really good at softball if she's that good at at soccer. Tell me, Tori, too, is is softball a, a fall sport in college or or, or, sorry, soccer. Is so- soccer's yeah. in the fall in college. Be an easy contrast with softball yeah. in the spring. Well, and for as talented as her daughter sounds, there might be some big time schools that would say, "Hey, we're going to work with this because yeah. you know the the soccer season. You're, you're, you would miss your fall training season for softball, and you would miss your spring training season for soccer. There, there might be a whole bunch of colleges that are going to look at that and say, dang, you know, let's get our, get our soccer coach and softball coach together in the room because they both might be able to get a much better player at than they could get on their own. Half the cost. Right. Right. Well, and I, I don't know what the priority is because basically in college sports, if a player does more than one sport, there's like a pecking order for what sport they count against. Um, and this goes back a long ways because once upon so you a time, can't go half and half. No, one, uh, if they're on the same tier, I think they can. But I, but if they're on different tiers, because what what people used to do is they would stash star softball players on the basketball roster because the basketball coach would have two or three scholarships that they weren't using. Could carry, right? and because you know because they were full scholarships, they would give a quote unquote basketball scholarship to a softball player even though she wasn't really a basketball player. I understand. And so yeah. they changed the rules so that you couldn't, uh, you know, you couldn't kind of bend the rules that way. But So, Kelly, hopefully we've given you some guidance. Uh, I, I think the fact that you sent us this uh, email asking this question tells us that you're about as fed up with this deal as we are, too. Good luck with the new team. I think you're going to be a whole lot happier there. Sounds like the right thing to do, Tori. (laughs) All right, so Don, that's going to take us into this week's edition of Paige's Power Play. Hey, it's Paige here, and I want to give you a few reasons why your daughter needs this new course that I just came out with, How to Perform Under Pressure of College Coaches and Recruiters. If your daughter is struggling to perform to her potential when the college coaches and recruiters are watching, then this is why you need this course for her. And 
really, you guys, the reason that I even created this for you guys, for your daughters, is because this is something that I really struggled with as well, um, is performing under the pressure of those college coaches. I know when it's a goal, it's the next step of what she wants to do. When the time comes and those coaches are watching, your daughter is probably putting this so much pressure, an enormous amount of pressure on herself. And a lot of times we can be our own worst enemy and keep ourselves from playing to our full potential and showing these college coaches what we are all about. So um, when she completes this course, you'll finally feel confident that your daughter has a plan to feel confident when she's feeling the pressure to perform in front of college coaches and recruiters. You're going to feel relief that her hard work at practice week in and week out is going to pay off when it matters the most. And of course, get the scholarship that you know you guys are aiming for. You're going to feel proud of yourself for giving her the tools to be successful so that she can go fulfill her goals and dreams of playing at the next level. And you're going to feel at peace knowing she is creating habits that are going to bring her success, not only on the field, but in front of those college coaches and recruiters, but in her life as well. So don't wait a second longer. Go check out that, that mini course, go grab it. And I promise you guys, you won't regret it because we are going to get into the nerves and what, like, I'm going to be showing and teaching your daughter why nerves are okay, that it's okay to feel nervous, that she can perform even when she's feeling nervous. And then we are going to get right into creating a plan for pressure. So going step-by-step and how to create a plan for pressure before when she is playing in front of those college coaches and recruiters, or she's feeling nervous. That way she doesn't tank, feel tense, um, and not play to her full potential in those moments. And then um, I I actually reached out to college coaches and asked them what they are looking for in their recruits. And I share exactly what those college coaches shared with me and what they're looking for. So there's four total modules in here going through those exact things. Your daughter's going to have access to ask questions inside the course to me. You guys have access to ask questions to me. And then there's also accountability and homework to take action on this so that she is actually working on it. So I can't wait to see you in there. If you have any questions, please reach out and I will, again, hope to see you in there. All right, Don Page has got a whole bunch of good stuff going on with her programs. Uh, she started a new thing about helping kids with the college recruiting process, and it's not so much how to get recruited as it is to help kids handle the stress and pressure of you know when they look up in the stands and all of a sudden they see their dream school coach watching right. them play. You know, it kind of ties in with all the other stuff that she's done with mental game and building confidence and all that kind of stuff. But if you have a player that's on the verge of or is getting into the recruiting age, it's another win-win program. It's a lot easier to play well when you think well. Yeah. She helps with that thinking part for sure. Yeah, there's no question about it. All right, Donna, so our lead-off topic is sponsored by Elite Sporting Goods. Elite is located at 905 Grayson Highway in Lawrenceville, Georgia. Phone number there is 678-377-0270. You can also contact them at EliteSportsOrders at Yahoo.com. Uh, anything you need equipment-wise, uniform-wise, reach out to the folks at Elite. Uh, they'll get it together for you, and they're happy to ship it anywhere in the country. So uh, make sure you reach out to the folks at Elite for any of your needs. So, well, as we mentioned in our Did You Know, Don, the College World Series is on the horizon. It's just about ready to get started. And 
there was some a whole bunch of stuff I wanted us to talk about, kind of relative to the end of the college season. You know, I, I did that solo episode a little bit ago when I talked about the things that I liked and the things that I didn't like about uh, the the college season this year. The one thing I want us to talk about first is the College World Series. We've got seven of the eight teams are are determined. And remember, we spent all year talking about how amazing the ACC was, and how amazing the SEC was, and how you know those were the two you know new big power uh, hot power, power conferences yeah. on the on the horizon. And now I know some of it boils down to the luck of the draw and who matches up with who. But here we are uh, with uh, the last two teams fighting it out: our Arizona State and Northwestern. And neither one of those are from the ACC or the SEC. Right. Um, so the SEC has one school. Florida made it, and they knocked off Virginia Tech. So they knocked off one of the um, ACC schools that we were all assuming was going to, to make it. UCLA made the uh, Women's College World Series. Right. And they knocked off Duke, which was one of the other ACC schools that we thought really had a chance to advance. Florida State got knocked out in the regional round by Mississippi State. Unfortunately uh, for Mississippi State, they got knocked out by Arizona in the Super Regionals. Yeah. But so we have a whole bunch of teams from the uh, Big 12 with Oklahoma State, Oklahoma, and Texas. Uh, so far, we have UCLA, Arizona, and Oregon State from the pack. Oregon State, that's, yep. that's super. Um, and we could have Arizona State from the pack. Dang, what happened to all this? competitive parody and all that Super stuff. South so, here. Yeah. Well, so now, now here's the first thing I wanted to throw out there. I think that for the ACC, let's talk about them first. I think they are definitely a conference on the rise. I think they definitely have proven that uh, especially the you know top four or five programs in the ACC are, are going to be tournament contenders and highly ranked teams. But for everybody out there who's disappointed that uh, Duke or Clemson or you know any Jimmy of those uh, teams got knocked out, getting to the tournament is one thing. Getting used to winning in the tournament is something altogether different. And I think that that's what the difference is right now. I think that two years from now, three years from now, Duke and Clemson are going to be in the same position that Oklahoma State and uh, some of those schools are now, where they're just kind of used to getting there. You some know, of the history. Yeah, yeah. They, they, they're, they, you know, their players go into that Super Regional expecting that they're going to advance instead of hoping that they're going to. You know, I think to me that's the... You know, the, the words of wisdom for anybody that's an ACC fan. Now, Florida State's a different story. They should have already been used to getting there. They just had a weekend had where a they little, got knocked off. Tough day, um, yeah. Yeah, but so, uh, so that was uh, uh, my first thought about the ACC. SEC, on the other hand, I think the SEC is an amazing conference for softball. But I think this is a year where they were all equal, even, so that you know the level of competition and the fact that they were all taking turns beating each other up every weekend, you know that uh, a 3-0 sweep in the SEC was really rare. Almost every weekend was two to one. So we knew that all those teams were very close to each other. They were very, very equal to each other. And you know, I guess it, you know, like a lot of other years, it just boils down to you know, if somebody's hurt, if somebody's sick, if somebody's not as interested, or whatever it might be. You know, it's all those different things. And so, um, so the SEC has Florida going to the College World Series, and if uh, um, we had had the tournament play out the way you would have anticipated. I think you would have seen more uh, schools make it. But this was the year that you know some teams that nobody thought were going to get there did, and some teams that everybody was counting on getting there didn't. That's what's going to make it exciting, Tori. I think this is going to be fun for everybody. Yeah. So now I'm, I've got a series coming out on the on the website, some blogs that I wrote about the my favorite, least favorite thing in the world, the transfer portal. 
I'm going to spoil one of my articles because I think it's worth us talking about today. So we spend all this time, you know, just now talking about the SEC, you know, not getting very many teams to the uh, College World Series. And when we did our preseason uh, show with Justin, we talked it through. And I think everybody on that phone call that day agreed that if you, ha- you could bet your life, you could bet everything you owned that when the College World Series got here this year, it was going to be Oklahoma, Florida State, and Alabama. Alabama, yeah. And the one I want us to talk about is Alabama because that brings me back to the transfer portal. So, every, now, and I don't want to take anything away from Stanford because I watched all those games and Stanford played great when they played at Alabama. Um, you know, error-free, great plays on defense, timely hitting, all that stuff. But I also had this uh, overwhelming feeling that it just didn't seem like Alabama was playing their normal level of game. Now, I'm not trying to say that the players weren't trying, that they weren't, you know, anything at all. But shortly after Alabama got knocked out in that regional round, we started seeing names of players and prominent players, players that were in the starting lineup that were leaving the program, entering the transfer portal. And all I'm going to say about that is that I know for sure when we're playing at the end of the year in the playoff, we're playing for our survival. We're playing to, you know, survive in advance and stay, stay alive and, and keep chasing after our dreams. I'd be a lot happier if I knew that all the players on the field were focused 100% on helping us win versus maybe being 10% or 20% or 30% distracted, distracted because they're thinking about where they're going to be playing next. So was Alabama upset or knocked off or beaten because of it? I don't know because I think Stanford played really well. Right. But you don't have to be a conspiracy theorist to start to think about what's the connection between... Human nature. And yeah, and to my way of thinking, it's just one more reason why I'm not a fan of it being this easy, this simple for, for players to leave. And not even so much that, you know, that they shouldn't have the right to go someplace else, but I just think we need a different mechanism where we know for sure that they haven't already figured out their next landing spot before they've even left the place that they're at. So No, I think that's really tough, Tori, and... Uh, again, everybody that I've spoken to has always uh, been overjoyed about the opportunity to play for Coach Murphy, and I'm a little surprised of anybody even wanting to leave to begin with. And I don't know if it, you know, pressure from administration that's kind of trickling down through the coaches to the players, you know, extra extra pressure and things that are, you know, for them to continue to excel because they're used to being there, they're right. used to winning the SEC, they're used to uh, doing all that stuff, but. You know, I think it is really unfortunate that it is that easy to, to move on yeah. and try something else. So it's kind of weird. Yeah. It's different. It's different. And to me, you know, again, like I said, it was just, you know, in, in the big sum up of the um, end of the playoffs, you know, heading into the College World Series, is did Alabama really get beat or did they lose? Check out a little bit earlier. Yeah. And, I, and, and part of me thinks they lost, not that everything about it was Stanford beat them. So it, 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 it will be neat to find out or it'll be interesting to find out where these kids do go. And, you know, if that was something that was already predetermined yeah. or, you know, I don't know how we'll ever know. Well, but, a, a little bird told me that three of them already know for sure where they're going. So we'll see. Now, I don't know you know, whether that person really knows anything at all or not. Right. Um, and, and again, so we're not really going to get into the rumor business too much, but um, but if it's true that they already know where they're going, they but knew where they were going before they before got on the they field that played, day. Right. right. So that's the sad part. All right. So um, we'll we'll kind of circle back to that uh, part of that thought too here in a second. So another big news thing that is 
Not shocking, but disappointing to me is Joe Evans was not retained at Texas A&M. She's a Hall of Famer. She's one of the winningest coaches in the history of college softball. Did pretty well. Um, overall, had a really good run at Texas A&M, but the last couple of years, you know, not national championship caliber standards. You know, this year they were you know one of the you know, lower teams and you know, one of the bottom two or three teams in the SEC standing. And this is again one of those be careful what you wish for things about our game. So we're at that point now, and I think that you know we have been building to this and crossing this bridge for a while that for the longest time, coaches that did things the right way, that ran good programs, that had players that graduated, that took care of you know, making sure that their teams were always doing the things that they were supposed to do, had a certain level of job security. And I think we've gotten to the point now where at these big programs, and Texas A&M is certainly a big program, they expect to you know, compete for national championships in everything that they do, that just being a Hall of Fame coach who's been there for 26 years, who's done all these amazing things for the program, it's sorry, not an it's, not an, it's not enough. Yeah. You, you, know, you still now have to figure out a way to keep winning in a very tough environment, especially this year. You know, as we already talked about, the SEC was one of those conferences where everybody beat everybody. A&M had a couple of weeks where they looked awesome and had a couple of weeks that they didn't look so good. And, you know, but at the end of the day, Somebody who I have a ton of respect for. I think Joe Evans is one of the best coaches I've ever talked to. I think she's super knowledgeable. I don't think there's anybody in the game who cares more about her players and, and their lifetime success than her. To see coaches like that uh, at risk, and I think uh, we're going to see more and more of this attitude now as we move to the future. And I think that there's a lot of other places that have coaches that have similar kinds of track records where they've been doing it for a really long time. They've been doing it the right way for a really long time, but maybe they're not quite winning enough are all going to be looking at the same kind of situation. Well, it's, yeah. I, again, we, you've talked about this a number of times, how many years in the past that it was, you know, Arizona, UCLA, Alabama, and Florida, and then FSU and you know, there's just a small handful that used to have a shot at it. And we're going to see after this week that there's a different group that have a shot at it. Right. There can only be one. Yeah. And But from the administration's point, we, we're paying for all these things, you know, on down the line. We expect results. And there can only be eight that go to the World Series. And there yep. can only be one winner. And that's the sad thing is that if that's what they feel like they're paying for rather than the environment and the, the process of graduating kids and having a good... Right, you know, a good program, you know, the winning piece is is going to be tough for everybody. Right, and that to to kind of circle back to what you said just a few seconds ago. So, is there pressure on coaches at these high level schools? Of there's a ton more pressure now than, than there used, used to be. be. Yeah, um, and are there people that are untouchable? Uh, yeah, Patty Gasso. Yeah, yeah, and um, and Patty Gasso. That's and it. Uh, she's one that's and Patty Gasso. She's the one that's proven. And and there's a handful of other people that I don't think you know their their head doesn't hit the pillow every night getting nervous about oh my god I'm going to lose my job tomorrow. But if she wasn't making it to the final eight, right? Well, and and here's the thing that you know I think people you know we'll just use a, a another example. Florida made it back to the College World Series this year. They have you know two national championships, but in the world now that we're talking about. 2015 seems like a long time ago 
to some of these administrators. Oh yeah. And you know, and I don't think Tim Walton's got anything to worry about. I think you know that that he's as, you know, in that group of people, you know, right behind Patty Gasso, who wakes up every day knowing he's going to be coaching there as long as he wants to. But I also believe he breathed a big sigh of relief when he punched his ticket to go to the College World Series again no this doubt. year. There's no doubt. Yeah. yeah. Because at those schools that are now investing the ridiculous amounts of money that they are, charter flights and salaries, salaries support. and support yep. and technical support and technology and all the different stuff that they're doing for those programs, you know, at that highest, highest level, the expectation is going to continue to go up. And, you know, for the longest time, you know, it was just kind of assumed, you know, when you looked at like SEC football or, you know, Big Ten football that, uh, you know, these high powered super programs. That you know, if their coaches didn't win, they were going to get fired. They were moving on. Yeah, yeah. And now, when you're a football coach and you're making you know five, six million dollars a year, if you get fired, you know, you probably don't have to like jump okay. off the roof. Yeah, um, you'll be okay. You know, and for a lot of these softball coaches, it's not millions, but they're certainly going to be okay for a little bit. But it just uh, it 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 pulled at my heartstrings a little bit because you know, to an old coach like me, somebody like Joe Evans, who is a legend, um, you know, and certainly. Yeah, I think uh, an amazing coach, an amazing person, just to see them not renewed was, I guess, um, a, a quick reminder that uh, we're in a win-at-all-costs mentality, and, and, and I think that's going to get worse before it gets better. It's a little sock in the gut, for sure. But, Tori, what do you think about this, too? There's so much exposure on TV. There's so many more TV rating records, and, you know, like you said, uh, you know, different broadcasts are going to be more readily available for everybody. The administrators want to see their, you know, the, the big donors want to see their group. All these people want to see their group on TV. Right. So that's huge pressure. And how do we get there? Well, maybe it needs to be a, a change or shake things up. Right. right. Yeah. And, and again, tough. it's just, it's, it's a, just a be careful what you wish for world that we're in now when it comes to big time college softball. And so the last part of the, be careful what you wish for, now that uh, the Texas A&M job is open, Texas Tech is open, there's going to be a few other. I don't know uh, how many more um, big, high-profile jobs we're going to see opening up, but I think you might see a, a few more. Um, and, of course, then you'll have the domino effect because somebody from a, a pretty good job is going to get it's the job vacuum. at Texas A&M. Yep. And so that's going to lead you know, to somebody else, to somebody else, to somebody else. But to all the coaches out there, and, and those of you that are friends with college coaches, uh, Here's the one thing I'm going to tell all of the coaches that are successful and doing really, really well at the school that they're at. The grass is not always greener where you get more money. So perfect example, there are a couple of people that were doing great at mid-major, mid-level schools that had the opportunity to move up that you know, a year or two or three later are already out of the jobs that they moved up to and their old schools are are you know just still chugging along doing great. Right. I understand why the you know what the temptation what the is obviously is. the money yeah. is is amazing. And a bigger environment right. maybe and, you know, yeah. Um you you talk yourself into thinking well I was successful where I was. Here's what I can tell you. We're not all cut out to be coaches in the SEC. We're not all cut out to be coaches in the Big 12. We're not all cut out to be coaching in those kinds of schools. Before you jump at the opportunity, before you think that that next big paycheck or that next big opportunity is going to always work out, all of us, you know, and I think it's true in a lot of other areas because I think we could do the same thing in the business world or a lot of other jobs. Like as soon as you think you, you can move up to that next big seat, maybe you're just about where you're supposed to be. So, and it's not so bad. And it's yeah. a pretty good place to yeah. be. So 
Um, so there was a couple of things I wanted to kind of get off my chest and talk about a little bit today, Don, now that uh, we're heading into the College World Series. We'll talk next week about the new national champion. Um, I think it's going to be very interesting. Um, Oklahoma has figured out a way to still keep rolling, even though their number one pitcher, Jordy Ball, has been out with an injury. There is some scuttlebutt that she might make it back for some games in Oklahoma City, um, but I think um, that will be interesting because the two teams that beat them during the regular season, and of course they're you know whatever their ridiculous and two record is, um, they lost a game to Oklahoma State and they lost a game to Texas, and they could have to play both of them. Probably will play at least one of them in the uh, College World Series, so that should be interesting. And then I think we're going to have some other interesting teams. The you know, somebody's going to have to convince Oregon State and Arizona right now that they can't beat everybody because they're rolling sure. into that College World Series undefeated in the postseason. And uh, just a sidebar, um, I was very excited for Caitlin Lowe. I had a chance to do a, a camp with her in uh, Myrtle Beach a few years ago. She struck me as just being a really cool person. To see her uh, so emotional and so excited when they made it to the College World Series was pretty cool, too. That, so. that is very cool. So, Don, that's going to take us to our cleanup topic. Our cleanup topic is sponsored by Pinnacle Power Butter. Everything Fast Pitch is very proud to be sponsored by Pinnacle Power Butter. It's a nutritious snack that every athlete should have in their bag of tricks. It will allow you to get a great snack, something that's healthy and nutritious, all natural, and goes a long way towards making a ball player a better one. And, Tori, our listeners can get their Pinnacle Power Butter at PinnaclePowerButter.com. And they can place their order there. Again, that's PinnaclePowerButter.com. If they use their promo code of EFP10, they can also get a 10% discount. And we're really excited that they're on board with us. Products are great. We've used them and tried them at home. The whole family loves it. All right, Don, we spend a ton of time talking about stuff that's crazy in this world. And, of course, we had another terrible, terrible thing this past week with the Texas tragedy. I don't want us to get off into the weeds too far with it because it's just so heartbreaking and so sad to see things like this happening and happening and happening over and over and over again in our country. But the one thing that uh, gave me hope and, and kind of put a, a little bit of a ray of sunshine on a totally tragic thing was to see the softball community rallying behind uh, the victims and the victims' families, to see you know so many players wearing uh, names and initials and uh, numbers, different stickers and things like that on their helmet in support of those kids and recognition yeah. of those kids. Yeah. Um, and, and one thing I've always loved about the softball world is I think we do a good job of supporting, of sharing, of uh, helping when we can. Softball community isn't going to be the solution to these kinds of tragic things happening, but to see the softball community rallying again to show their support and to show that they care and to show that they're thinking about the victims, the victims' families, and the situation in general to, to me is just, it's a very meaningful thing. It's something I'm really proud of and you know, proud to say that uh, you and I get to spend a lot of time working with these kids and these families that, that think this way and that are willing to do these kinds of things. No, again, it is really tragic, Tori, and softball people are, are real people. They're, they're caring and, and all the right stuff. They're family, they're the pull together type. So I yeah. think you're exactly right. Yeah. And I know uh, the one uh, thing that I saw was, you know, teams that, you know, now are, you know, getting the little helmet stickers and things like that to wear to, to keep the, the memory of these players alive. And it's just, uh, you know, it's such a sad thing that we have to, you know, live in a world where this kind of stuff just seems to never stop happening. And it seems like no matter what the level of tragedy is, it's 20 years later and, and you know, we're still, you know, afraid to turn on the news and 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 you know I know for a lot of people 
you know, nervous about dropping my kids off at school. And, and so yeah. it's, it's, it's unfortunate that we have to live with all that stuff, but softball, keep doing what you're doing, keep supporting the people that you do, that you do support. So let's keep pulling together and trying to make the, the best of a terrible, terrible situation by showing that, that we do care and that we're going to do what we can to keep things moving in a more positive light. Yeah. All right, Don. So that's going to bring us to this week's coaching tip of the week. Our coaching tip of the week is a really simple idea that we have too many coaches, too many people that think of this game like it's a cookie cutter approach. And the thing that, you know, we've talked about this a couple of times in the past. You know, we talk about it a lot with hitting, but I'm seeing it now with pitching. I'm seeing it now with, you know, all these different types of skills that can be taught in this game that, you know, we have to teach all our, all of our infielders have to hop or all of our infielders have to step a certain way or all of our outfielders have to hold their glove in a certain position or all our pitchers have to twist one way and then twist the other way to, you know, to get ready to pitch. And all of our hitters have to hold their hands in the exact same spot or, you know, stand the exact same way. I wanted us to kind of touch on that because I think that obviously I'm, I'm a firm believer that every player is different. Every situation is different. And, and something that you're really good at, I might be terrible at. Something that I'm great at, you might be, ter- might be terrible at. You're younger and, and more physically fit, so you can do some things that I can't do. But doesn't mean that both of us can't get the job done. And both of us can get the job done, but it might look really different as we approach it. And I think the same is true about softball. No, I think uh, exactly what you're saying, Tori. When we look at athletes, whether we're watching them play in the World Series or um, whether it's kids that are just getting started, they all have different uh, attributes. Some might have longer limbs. Some might have, uh, you know, quicker, quick twitch uh, reactions. And again, that, and they're at different stages when they're when they're competing too. So uh, I think they do all have to have unique characteristics, but there's pieces that we want to be similar right. there. So there's um, things that we want to try and keep consistent between them. But I think that you are hindering some kids if you're going to try and force them to be exactly like another, right? just for sake of making them all the same. I think that, and I think some coaches might do that just to keep it simple for them. Right. And maybe that's, you know, I don't know if that's most productive for each kid, you know, and I like consistency and I like a lot of those things, but yeah, some kids are maybe not quite as quick getting to the ball, so we have to, you know, do things that help them accommodate the the competition level. Right. Well, uh, this one really came uh, full circle for me the other day. I was uh, doing a lesson with one of my really talented kids. She had started doing something um, in her swing, in her in her preparation to swing. It really kind of goes opposite of a lot of the stuff that she and I have been working on for a while. Kind of let her wander down that path for a while yeah. and then had to ask her a question said you know so wh- where did this come from what's this idea and she and she had an explanation uh, about what she thought she was accomplishing yeah and, and we you know kind of worked through it and, and had you know, you know a little well if you do that then you know this could happen but that could happen it's this could happen take. that could yeah. happen you know this could be a positive this could be a negative ultimately what we ended up deciding is that her new addition to her swing might be something for her to use occasionally in her training because what she's trying to accomplish getting stronger hip drive and getting her lower body more engaged you know this uh, movement that she was working with and this extra you know gyration that she had added you know certainly would help her feel that happening but at the end of the day it added such a huge variable to her timing that might not be worth pro- the exchange yeah, yeah, yeah. the what you gain versus what you're probably going to lose was just a, not in her favor so much. But I see it all the time because, you know, if you watch enough games, at some point in time we ended up with this thing for pitchers where 
You know, they all start off on the mound with their shoulders square to the catcher, square to home plate. And then they were all doing this twisting motion where they're basically twisting towards the throwing side of their body. And a lot of different explanations, a lot of different people have told me you know, many different reasons why they were doing it, what they're trying to accomplish with it. And um, then I started noticing that you know, eight-year-olds and 10-year-olds had no idea why they were doing it. We're all doing it too because they were seeing it on the games on TV. And I started seeing some you know, pitching people incorporating that into their teaching without really understanding, I think, you know, from what they were explaining to me and saying to me, didn't really know for sure exactly why they were doing it, but it looked cool and, and people were doing it. And it kind of hit me the other day because I watched uh, quite a bit of the Northwestern Arizona State game on TV. Northwestern's got a left-handed pitcher uh, who's really, really good. If, if they win tonight, I'm sure she will be the pitcher that pitches them to the College World Series. But she's got this most idiosyncratic thing that she's doing as she's getting ready to pitch, where it's almost like her throwing hand is almost like flicking along the side of her glove. It sort of looks like, uh, I don't know, like there's a bug on her glove or something. She's trying to like flick the bug off. It's like, you know, and she'll do it like three, four, five times every time. And it's like this flicking motion, flicking motion, flicking motion, flicking motion pitch. Someplace, somebody, some pitching expert is watching that thinking, you know, she shouldn't be doing that. We should stop that. You know, that doesn't look, because I've never seen it anyplace else. I've never right. seen anybody else do it. I've never, and God knows I've been around this game for as long as, as almost anybody we know. I've never, ever, ever seen anything close to this little routine that she has. But if somebody took that away from her, it might be the dumbest thing in the history of softball because she's on the verge of pitching her team to the College World Series. Right. And so for our listeners, when you're, if Northwestern's playing this weekend, because, again, we don't know for sure if they're going to make it. they got to beat Arizona State tonight. But when you watch her, you're going to do the same thing. Like, that's really weird looking. That's not the cookie cutter. And it's definitely, uh, certainly not the cookie cutter thing. So fortunately, whenever she picked it up, people let her run with it. Whatever you know, she's doing when she does it, whatever kind of reminder or thing that she's using it for is working clearly. But thank God nobody looked at it and tried to take that away from her, tried to eliminate that from her game, because who knows what the potential changes might have been from that. So to me, I think, Don, you touched on a really important point. I think for us as coaches, our lives are a whole lot easier if every one of our hitters does everything exactly the same. Right. Because then we don't have to try to think about what the potential... The special piece for this right. one is. You know, we don't have to have a plan for all nine hitters or an idea for all nine hitters because you know all nine should be doing basically the same thing. And I think you also touched on a key point that there are some things that I think all players do consistently well. You know, They might get there in a different way, but I think all hitters have a certain launch position that they get to. I think that you know really good hitters always have their front foot down in time for their body to get organized. I think really good pitchers always have a good solid foundation that they're pitching against. You know, I think that all good throwers throw the ball with a pretty straight arm angle that gets them that, you know, top spin, you know, 6 to 12 spin on the ball. So I think there's a lot of things that really good players all do, but I think there's about 100 different paths for them to get there, and sometimes we got to give them a little bit of leeway to to get to that point for themselves because as you said, if she's six foot tall or she's five foot tall, guess what? Her throw might look a little bit different. Might be a little different, yeah. Yep. If she's 102 pounds or 202 pounds, her body might be doing some things a little bit different when she's getting ready to hit. doesn't mean that one's right or one's wrong. 
But as long as they both look like they're ready to attack the ball when it gets to home plate, I think that's a pretty good thing. I love it. So careful on the cookie cutter. Yeah, and and let's uh, not uh, hold our players back because it's easier for us as coaches. You know, let's uh, be willing to look at it and say that there's a lot of ways to get there. You know, the old there's more than one way to skin a cat mentality. I, I know that's an old school saying, but I think it's true that there's a lot of ways to get to the destination that we're trying to get to. There's a lot of different roads that you can take. Um, and if we limit the the paths that our players can get on to get there, some we're going to probably hold some of them back. Absolutely. You no, know, it's fun to experiment and it's fun to, you know, figure out what is going to be most productive for each of the kids. But once we decide what path we're taking, it has to happen that way often. Right. right? Well, yeah. and the biggest thing is to me, if, if, you know, it's kind of exciting to have a player kind of think on her own about something. Well, if I try this, this might help. I mean, that's kind of an exciting thing. But that's, I think, where we have to maybe offer a little bit of guidance about, you know, the pluses and minuses, the risks and Absolutely. the rewards. So. Yeah. Stan has a good point. Even even in the co- cookie cutter business, they're not all exactly the same. When you're making your Christmas cookies, you have some Christmas trees, you have some Santas, you have some uh, stockings, yeah, you know, and and you have some blobs that are just the leftover dough that still get the, that still get baked. Absolutely. So coaches, keep that in mind when you're getting ready to go to practice and working with the kids that you're working with. So that's going to wrap up number two eighteen. As always, please make sure you check out our sponsors: the Anderson Bat Company, Elite Sporting Goods, Pinnacle Power Butter. Please make sure you go to the FastPitchPrep.com website. There's 700-plus blogs, there's the YouTube channel, and there's the link for you to order your square-cut training discs. Again, they're $49.95 a dozen. It's an investment that everybody should make. You all need to have a set of the square-cuts training discs in your training tools. Sorry, we need some patrons. And we definitely are looking for patrons, so go to patreon.com slash everythingfastpitch. And again, if you have questions, comments, suggestions, ideas, player of the week nominations, everythingfastpitch at gmail.com, and... uh, fastpitchprep at gmail.com. So for Coach Don McKinley, our producer Stan Lewis, this is Coach Tori saying thanks for listening. It's great to be back in the studio this week, and uh, we'll talk to you again next week.